Come follow us on our journey to get a low-budget DIY feature film from script to screen and beyond. And beyond. Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, realistically, nobody's going to give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. For now, you're just some pair of idiots like everyone else. Never wait for permission. You just have to start. Give yourself something impossible to do and then just find the bloody way of making that thing happen. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, darling. How are Hello, you? Hello, lovely. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. How's things? You look, you're looking a bit frazzled and mad. Yeah, frazzled and mad. I, I, like I, I think the thing is that uh, you're probably the first person I've spoken to today, apart from the kids this morning telling them yeah. breakfast. So uh, seeing you just now, I realised that weird feeling of like answering the door in your slippers and your pants. Yeah. Like, a little bit. <laughs> How about you, mate? How's it I, going? I'm okay, yeah, I'm okay. But I'm quite excited. We've got an exciting episode today because we've got our two leads lead actors on the old man and popping in to have a little chat with us we've got richard glover and we've got jonathan broke have a little chat with them about their careers thus far their experiences in film filmmaking and, and comedy and, and everything everything besides really Fabulous. but uh, yeah so how's the uh, how's the doc looking mister well yeah it's getting there we are a little bit uh long still and We've had some editorial shifts, should we say, in the past kind of week. Yeah. So probably a bit late in the day to be uh, shifting your editorial strategies uh, when you've got two weeks and two days till you're actually going to show people wow, the cut. Yeah. Um, but um, we're getting somewhere. Certainly the film feels like it's kind of getting closer, although I'm absolutely certain that, that there'll be a lot of work done after the screenings. The screenings will be an interesting experience, throwing herself right into the deep end, mm -hmm. showing it to some of the people who are in the film. And I think, you know, if I can get through these couple of screenings, then I can get through anything. Because <laughs> this is going to be an audience who are going to know the subject and who are going to go, why haven't you mentioned this? And why have you not done this? Mm -hmm. So a uh, little bit scary, hence the hair literally standing on end at the moment. And um, but, uh, but well, at least, at least you're going into it, I suppose, with a it's a work in progress screening that, yes. you know, people are getting, going in knowing that it's not finished, finished film. Per se. You, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the thing is that, as you know, when you show something work in progress, you you, you kind of hope people understand uh what that means mm. and some people will some people will go oh yeah i can see you're going to change this bit and you're going to add this bit uh, uh, but other people will kind of think that you you know this is exactly your intention that throughout that you you've decided that every frame should be as it currently is but mm. um what can you do this is the the way i've discovered myself to be in and we've we've managed to pull off this fantastic exhibition as well which is an amazing thing in itself um in, down in bristol so the whole thing will be a, hopefully a kind of cultural event that includes the film screening to a small audience uh, rather than just everything being about the film screening. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, there's a there's going to be parties and things involved as well. So uh, I hope you're coming down to those parties, Mark, and coming yeah, to the screening. I, I, I really, really want to. I'm so, I, I, I'm, really, I'm so broke at the moment. It's, it's 
ridiculous, but I will I will make every effort. I of course want to be there, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, let me let me see what I can do. Let me see yeah. what I can rustle up. What, what have you got? Um, what are you drinking this evening? Then you mentioned that you you've gone off the the gin. Well, I wouldn't pieces. say I've gone off the gin, but I, but because obviously I'm in the studio where. Uh, let's just say, well, really the studio is, is sort of a storeroom at the moment. Um, and uh, it's also got my computer and everything in it. But um, the house, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we're not living there. So um, I've literally raided the top of the cupboard. And what I found at the top of the cupboard was, interestingly, yeah, uh, the original Angostura bitters. Oh, I bought some new today, actually. I went out and bought all the bits again Did today. You? Yeah. This is the original one that we had from the very, very first <laughs> episode of DOI Cinema Soul. So I've got that. I've got the. 27 episodes. Uh, what? Oh, you got the not. The original Nolly Pratt. Nolly Pratt. But then, sadly, I couldn't find any no, gin. No, gin. So in the end, I've just got a bottle of cheap Riesling white wine that right, someone gave me as a present this Christmas. So sadly, that's me. And I've also, I'm going to be drinking it in this mug as well. <laughs> nice camping mug. <laughs> but you've got everything. You've got the full kit and caboodle. I got all my bits. Look, there's my, it's a bit of a dirty martini today. I put too much bitters in, left the oh, bitters in. Oh, look at that. But it's very nice. Oh. Mm. You having a wow? It made you go cross-eyed. Yeah. Oh, oh, hang <laughs> on. We got someone. We got Richard. Wait. Oh, so someone's coming in. Our first guest. Here he is. Let's have him Here in. Here he is. Your name's not down. You're not coming in. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Morning, Richard Lover. Hello. 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 Richard, how are you doing? How do you do? Um, <laughs> Very well. Look, I just fixed me one of these, you know, your tradition. And I, I haven't even had any yet. I had a smell and it made me oh. go, oh. Have you, have, have you made actual martini? You've made gin martini? I, I, we have, we have vermouth. Um, Amazing. There you go. Oh, vermouth. Angie, Angie, so she swirled it around the glass, then threw it in the sink, which broke my heart. You yeah. Know, throwing away booze. Yeah. Um, but then put tons of gin in it and... Can you see it says a little twist of lemon? Um, oh, wine. yes. Beautiful. I even spent a small fortune on bitters. Me too. I did that today. We've got, yeah. Jonathan, we've got Jonathan coming in as well. Oh, right. good. Ladies and gentlemen, this Mr. Jonathan Broke. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? We're, we're, we're holding up bottles of bitters. Go on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. We're holding up bottles of bitters. Cheers, yeah. everyone. Cheers. Oh, you yeah. did it. Right. Yes. So yeah. what did... What do we do with these? Uh, we well, just hold I'm... them up to the camera. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Sponsor, sponsored by Angostura. Angostura. And mine is actually, I was just saying to Mark, mine is actually the very original bottle that uh, we've had since the first episode of DIY Cinema Cult. So, um, yeah. Being a kind of slightly kind of damp. And sort of muddy in its appearance. It's, it's um, very authentic. Of usage, yeah. Sadly, just, just to give you a bit of background, guys. The, one of the ideas behind the podcast was me, me and uh, me and Aaron became quite obsessed about Louis Bunuel, the famous kind of uh, film di film director, and uh, his autobiography, which was quite a stunning book. If you ever get to read it, it's called 
my last my last breath is my last breath yeah, my last breath two translations i think it's my last words is one of them yeah and my last breath is another one yeah yeah and and in it he goes into he spends many pages talking about his love of um drinking the way he used to work was he used to write in the afternoon then him and his writing partner used to have a break they used to go their separate ways they used to go to separate bars have a drink and he's always used to insist on having london gin martini uh, and then he'd come back to his writing partner and then they kind of kind of settle the, you know, wow. s- settle the day and kind of sort out what they've been writing and what's good, what's bad and kind of. Because because you know, he, he, he believed that what it what it did was that, that it created a reverie. I love this word, a reverie, which is a kind of, you know, uh, and I, I don't know what it is actually in real life, but we like to kind of ponder the idea that it's a sort of artistic door opening, a little bit like, you know, yeah. kind of Aldous Huxley. Uh, we thought that something kind of marvellous that we would induce our own reveries during the <laughs> DIY yeah. Cinema Cult uh, podcast. But then we've kind of slipped over the years from being purists, haven't we, where it had we to have, be yeah. the correct ingredients to uh, me this week actually just having a cheap bottle of uh, Christmas white wine. wine. Christmas, yeah, wine, Christmas wine. wine. But it's great, it's great that you two are here. We really have in full swing. We've brought it back. And I, I've gone I've gone full proper martini, so I, in, in honour of you guys coming on. So it's um, marvellous. One pretty um, strict again. Can you just quickly talk me through what I have to do with this Angostura? Well, what, what I... The, the way I do it is I do with like the vermouth, I put it into a mixer, but with an ice cube, do the vermouth, then tip it out. Then I do the bitters on an ice cube and then remove it and then put the gin in. So maybe if you just put like a drop in your Can glass. I just, just to just dash it, because we have ice cubes, but you have to go out the front door and round the back. Oh, don't. And, down into the <laughs> so and into the neighbours. not willing to do that for your <laughs> no. uh, in, Into the neighbour's kitchen, into the neighbour's fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to make love to her. So. <laughs> there you go. I put three drops in. Is that that right? Oh my god, you've That's overdone fine. it. Oh no! <laughs> am, I gonna, am I gonna go mad? Too <laughs> <laughs> much reverie. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Call. So guys, how are you doing? I haven't seen you since the shoot, right? Wow. Huh. Yeah, how are you both doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah. I've just had my first sip of this and it's I'm drinking gin. I'm drinking <laughs> gin with some quite floral notes. But yeah, um, it's yeah warming. Uh, yeah, no, I'm really well, thank you. I have been, I went sort of, yeah, I had some stuff going on and then I had uh, went into rehearsals for a show which I've been doing on a Thursday through Saturday in our theatre. So that's been kind of fun. Um, oh, nice. And yeah, that's, that's sort of it. Your own theatre? Well, I mean, it's, it's the theatre that, that, that belongs to the, the Free Association Company. So, yeah. Um, Is it nice to be back in a real place with real people in front of you laughing, giggling, working off other actors, because I guess not so long ago was the first time you'd have been able to do that, right? Or Yeah, it, 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 we sort of dabbled with it, and because there was obviously sort of a period of 
sort of in-betweenness during the pandemic. And I remember doing a show at Battersea Arts Centre where everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was sitting about 15 metres from the stage and in their bubbles. So in sort of... Oh, wow. Basically. And and it was a comedy show. It was a live comedy show. And I remember just not having a clue as to whether anyone was receiving it or not. Because you just got no real feedback. You just got a lot of bodies in the room. And none of them are that comfortable because of the restrictions. And I just remember... Yeah, it was tough. It was hard work. I remember just seeing the odd pair of shoulders slightly go up and down. You're thinking, I think they're laughing. They're uh, laughing, no, aren't they? Uh, yeah, that's just. The, I mean, that 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 would have just been uh, magic. But unfortunately, <laughs> it was quite dark. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that. not even the shoulders. It must have no. been just like being in Chernobyl or something. It was. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was like yeah. Or just sort of performing to a bunch of mannequins. It, yeah, I think everyone had a strange night, but you know, we we could all say we did it. Well yeah, co- yeah. Comedy in those conditions must be very difficult. Yeah, because you just cold dead eyes, and you don't know whether they're going. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they should give them masks with a big smile on the front, at least, so at least you can kind of fool yourself. Maybe. Oh, aren't they even them. more sinister though? When they kind of they they gave it. Yeah. To- uh, you know, flight attendants and stuff, and they were just kind of <laughs> smile. And you're thinking, not only may you be terrified of flying, and you've got this person with a flake, flake kind of smile like that, you know, at the same time, you kind of have no idea what her real expression is underneath, which could be, you know, mm, a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Mark gave me a sneak peek of something the other day with you two guys. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure he won't be sharing it anywhere else. So, I feel uber privileged to see anything. But um, I was mesmerized. I thought it just looked like a proper movie. You two sitting in a car, you two in a car, your conversation, the kind of banter the, the kind of playing off between you i thought it looked like a proper movie guys i'm so excited to see the the thing proper as it were yeah i haven't shared anything with you guys no yet. no i know I've, I've basically just done i've i've started just piecing some bits together and it does wow. cut together wonderfully and the and the what is the biggest joy is the pair of you together are just working so well within the scenes and um yeah it's looking fantastic in the scenes you feel like brothers just the play off you, the way you play off one another and the way you kind of behave your behavior and, and and the comedy and the nature in the scenes just feels really good so i'm excited to show you guys well, I, I, can't, I can't wait and um yeah I've, gosh i first of all i miss it terribly it was such a an amazing week and it was such so lovely to work with jonathan is he there yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it really was it just felt really effortless and flowing. and i don't you know i don't, I don't want to jump the gun and jinx it or anything like that by thinking, oh well it didn't look like that you know you know how insecure people can be me um but um it just <laughs> it just felt really lovely and i really enjoyed bouncing off jonathan immensely um it, it was lovely and what i kind of really liked about it like obviously jonathan came in to the film very very late and and like we like I said to you before, Jonathan, how much I appreciate like your work, your kind of effort on that, because it must have been so hard coming to something so late while it was almost just about we were about to shoot. But um, and we'll probably get to that a little bit later. But um, I what I thought worked really well is because obviously you guys, you, you come from slightly, you know, your careers are slightly there's differences, there's similarities. Both of you have worked a lot in improv which is where you met before which is the <clears> thing <throat> i loved about when we got jonathan on board 
these guys knew each other from before anyway. So they were kind of aware of each other. Yeah. Uh, as I understand it, you'd both been in improv groups and then you'd both been at Edinburgh together a few years back. Is that right? I, I haven't done improv as such, but I've worked with Garfield Whelan, who does lots of We were uh, we were all part of like an extended family of sketch um right comedy, comedy. Right. and okay like i think it was 2010 or 2008 we all did yeah. um edinburgh and you know we were all kicking around together and the, drink, the drinking time, yeah it was just a sort of time about 14 years ago wasn't there when we were all sort of at large at about the same time and mm. we would have looked up to you guys massively because we were fairly new on the scene at that time and you guys had been doing loads and i told you anyway that i'd watched your Ewan and thingy videos about oh, yes. times because I love them so yeah just sort of I, I was I was so I was so thrilled when I found out that you were the brother and the um and just to echo what you've said I've missed everyone a lot since this film like that that wow. and you might want to come to this and maybe later on or whatever but the family that you created in that crazy old copper mine in the Lake District for that intense week in which everyone was just going all hands on deck everyone was just like yeah we're going to make it happen we're going to lug all that stuff up to the top of the hill you know you guys you and rami staying up till the wee hours just re rejigging replanning just all of that stuff was it was so special and i think you come back from something like that and you come back to civilian life and it's quite tricky actually not as fun it was a lovely, lovely, intense week, and yeah. and I and I'd had I'd had so much. I think I'd mentioned to Aaron before so much anxiety for months and months leading up to it because I just didn't know how it was going to pan out. And of course, I the thing I wasn't even thinking about, and which I should have, you know, I should have been more sure of, was the fact that once you bring really brilliant people together, just magical things can ha can happen and everyone puts their own effort in brings their own humor and their own good nature to things and um and everyone can make things work it's it's a it's a group effort it's a joint effort you know you, it's like you were saying before Aaron about you've got to get your you've got to find your crew and your and your little group your little tribe of people in order to get these things working so it's lovely to hear that Jonathan because that's just exactly it's exactly what we needed to get it done because it wasn't an easy shoot we didn't have a lot of well anything we had the cottage and and that was we didn't have much money and or anything like that so it, it, we, we were really depending on the loveliness of the people that we had there and luckily we had lovely people and uh, i mean it was it was gently relentless but then obviously as i've said many times the actors are a bit like the children you're the, you're the grown-ups because like you said you you and um uh rami were staying up late and rejigging stuff whilst we got a rest, but it was, it was relentless, but it was a hell of an experience. You know, it's like to get the chance to do this and do as much as that it was an amazing learning curve. And, but also, yes, it would, it felt really easy to all muck in together. It was really like, like there were no knobs as it were, you know, sometimes you get <laughs> on a rare occasion, you get knobs on Usually set. There's at least one on a set. Usually there's just at least one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, but we, we, it was, it was, it was just yeah, gorgeous. This gin's really working. <laughs> I love you. I, I was thinking, am I sipping it too fast? Because I'm not saying you sip. Oh no, it's all sounding great. I mean, it's all, it's all fine. <laughs> you actually had uh, what you described it as a family, Jonathan. You actually had 
all generations there as well, didn't you? As well, so yeah. you had you had a mascot just to kind of really make that family feel kind we of. Did. Uh, we had we had Jude, yeah, we had a little toddler. So it's just uh, it's you know that was another thing that was causing me anxiety. I was like, how am I going to do this with? It's a bit like you know the Dogma ninety five, the Danish filmmakers who had these kind of strict rules in which you should make films. You have to make for the director should not be credited. You should only use uh, you know diegetic sound. You should only use handheld camera. They should have written in. You should only, you should always have a two year old on set at all times. It's a kind of obstruction, a creative obstruction. But actually, he was great. Jude was great. He was kind of he kind of thankfully was very well behaved and ended up being a bit of a little bit of entertainment at the end of the night when we were at dinner time, you know. So um, yeah, there was just that running into the room, wasn't there, when Jude was watching some sort of you know TV show for children, and it was like. We're gonna to have to be very quiet now, Jude. Or like this, this is quiet time now. Whilst we were doing a shot in the next door room, yeah, a sort of meaningful with um with yeah. some sort of Peppa Pig equivalent going. On. <laughs> but luckily, that cottage because because it was a an old stone yeah. cottage, the walls were so thick that luckily we couldn't hear Jude squawking every now. I mean, we could actually every now and again, and we'd have to go in. And it is horrible having to tell your your, your wife and kid. Please just be quiet. Just please, please be quiet. But um, can you but, also do the makeup and can you also look? Yeah, I can. You also cook the dinner. Cook the dinner. Cook the dinner as well. Yeah. Poor Debbie. Poor Debbie. I do remember going. It sometimes it was very stressful going into the room and seeing them both there, and they'd be like lying on the sofa watching CBBS, and I'd kind of be like, half of me would be like. I want to stay in this room and kind of hide. <laughs> Can I hide in here? And just let Rami take over and make the film instead. But, um, but uh, no, it was, it kind of worked. It kind of did. It was stressful and a bit manic, but it kind of did work perfectly, actually. I think then when I think back at it. And we get to do it all again soon, you know, in a couple of months, Ooh. we're going to we get to kind of get together and shoot the London <laughs> stuff. Because you know the coat that I use in it? Yeah. And it's got a little, I was going to repair it and it's, it's, Dirty. I've been. I was gonna wash it, and then we used it on set. And it's my only kind of smart coat. Everything else has fallen apart. So I go out with it, thinking I should wash this now. I look like a tramp. <laughs> but, uh, but I've you got can wash it. sheen on it now. Yeah. <laughs> shiny, mm. shiny elbow. Slightly shiny because it's mm. gone a little bit long. Well, um, last, up on its own. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's trampy. Um, last night I went to um a friend of mine, James Wren, does this lovely film festival called the. Unrestricted View Festival, and he had his last night last night, and we watched. Um, I went to the cinema on uh, Upper Street and watched other films. And afterwards, we went to the pub opposite, and I look. I really looked like a hobo, but I was. I was thinking, well, ah, this is a clever ploy because maybe I look like a really, really successful actor because I'm so successful I don't have to make an effort now. Mm. And that's yes. you know. And I thought maybe I'm bluffing, but yeah, you know. I've I've had that thought before when I've had like holes in my you know jeans and stuff or shoes, and I thought actually this is actually probably how billionaires dress. Yeah. They don't have to give a fuck anymore. They're like I don't care. That's how I plan to dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys about your experience of sort of other film stuff and short short films and um you know working kind of in i suppose a diy fashion have you done any other projects before where it's been uh i guess diy in its kind of attitude as in you know no big production company behind it or people kind of making something for themselves what experiences have you had of that kind of thing before 
My, my very first experience out of drama school back in 2004 was to make a Danny Dyer football movie called The Other Half. And oh. it was completely rogue. It was totally rogue. I think what had happened is the writer had lied to Vinnie Jones saying, we've got Danny Dyer on board, and then lied to Danny Dyer. And said, we've got Vinnie <laughs> Therefore got them both on board. Wow. And then we went to Portugal with, um, you know, <clears throat> no permits and um and and i guess we filmed this movie um just really on the fly and um yeah and we lived in all sorts of random places once we lived in a yoga retreat and um that was really strange because i think it was the only place we could all stay at that point and uh and I do remember that Danny Dyer himself didn't particularly like that um, yoga retreat. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a, just, it was really fascinating film and um, shot for sort of almost nothing with a huge amount of will. But what was different about that film in comparison to this one, and not to speak ill of it, but I think everyone in the crew ran out of gas after about <clears throat> oh, I don't know four weeks and I think the whole shoot was about seven weeks oh wow seven or eight weeks and oh. I don't think there was much money changing hands it certainly wasn't any for me and I, I get the feeling that people just started to get pretty upset and so mm. it, it was it was really fascinating and brilliant and brilliantly done and brilliantly engineered by the people who made it happen but the, the cold reality I think of that started to to hit towards the end of it which is yeah. that this is very difficult without collective will about you richard what was your sort of any experiences of, a, of a things on a kind of a, on the hoof or i guess low budget at least yeah there was a, a short film we did called the monster um written and directed by my friend bob pike and um it was quite fraught i got to be the lead in it and that's always you know lovely practice to get to do that so again quite relentless and um it was a sort of tricky set because they managed to get quite a well-known actress to do it. And I don't think she was very happy to do it um, when she realised what it was. I mean, it was really good. I think it won awards and things, but um, she she was sort of quite hard work because I think she was a bit pissed off. Because that was really interesting to have to, you know, because it was fairly small. There was a bit of a budget, but to G everyone on. So you're, you're playing, you've got a few hats on. You're not just sort of, being the lead, but you're trying to keep morale up for everyone. And you can yeah. see that she's pissed off, so she's dragging other people down. And um, and then you've got to lift everyone up and do that. So that was really interesting in a, in a small crew to mm. yeah have to wear all these different hats. And um, But I, I did enjoy that. And then when I went on to do Into the Woods, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the director did say at the end of that, he's, um, it was like, oh, Richard, you, you were so lovely on set because um, there were a lot of big egos there and um, uh, you just handled yourself really well. And I was I was flattered and I'm delighted to, that I ended up like that, that I didn't end up sort of a grumpy old misery because, mm. uh, again, it is your cog in the machine and, you know, a sort of highly costed and powdered one. But um, yeah, yeah. That, that everyone mucks in and, and picks each other up, you know, like we did in this film, you everyone mucks in together and you know you're all in it together no one's feeling more elevated or lower than anyone else it's all in it together that's it. that for me is a really important part of any mm. yeah what I thought was lovely about Jonathan you coming on board is you were coming from a very live comedy background 
And I felt like on set kind of just created this atmosphere that was quite open, felt like you and Rich felt quite free in the fact you had this kind of history with each other or you kind of knew each other. Bringing you on board actually brought that comedic improv aspect back into the script and the shooting of the film. Yeah, I mean, when I read the script, it was funny. So <laughs> it was a no-brainer. Yeah. It was like, it's funny. So, yeah, and, and so I felt that I fitted you know, from that point of view, I was like, oh, I'll fit with that. Because I think it's a funny, I love the character. I love the character of Drew. I love the fact that he's trying to solve his brother's problems, but basically has more of his own. And I think I, I find that a very funny role to play. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, as with improvisation, it's actually very difficult to improvise if you have a script, because improvisation is a different part of the brain. It's kind of mm. a brain where you're not really using a script. You're actually you're actually playing with what you don't know and allowing that to be. So mm. what what really the fun and the improv that comes around the script is this is due to the relationship with Rich, which yeah. is just really immediate. It's like we have a really immediate uh, shared language of understanding when it comes to just play. And that, that seems to be like what we immediately had. So it was, really, it was like just loads and loads of fun to do. Coming from an, a, back, a background of live comedy, improvisation, group work, is that, you know, you're trained in that way. Your whole sensibility is about openness and inclusion and working with teams and bouncing off people. Because sometimes you can find that actors who are more dramatically inclined might be in their own bubble and might be acting in their own. They'll be doing their character mm. and their, their view of a scene. And there won't, and it, it might knock up against other people's interpretation of that scene. Whereas coming from an improv background, you're all about, right. I mean, I've, I've never done improv, but I have worked a lot with people who've done improv before in the past. And it is a lot about keeping the ball in the air, right. It's a lot to do with that. Yeah. It's about the product and it's not about you. It's about the yeah. team. And I think, so if you've got a great teammate and you can play, then you're making the product all the time and that's fun. And it's not about, you know, you and, your performance and your ego and how you're coming across it's it's actually about are you are you just creating the feeling that you want to create in that moment together and can you push it a bit more and can you prod a few more bits and yeah, <coughs> yeah and, and having that trust with someone else when you know you've got each other's back there's there's no one sort of trying to outdo or you know like you say slightly solipsistic just sort of this is me it's my thing I'm a method actor and blah 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 it was it's that lovely giving thing because you and that brings you lots of happiness when mm. you're you're enabling and facilitating that thing, and then you get that back, and it's just really lovely. It works. I mean, because I've never hung out with Jonathan half as much as we did, you know, Jonathan doing this, and we just were laughing on set and, and afterwards, and just in our, in our downtime, it was just so lovely, and that's sort of just carried on, and we we do scenes, we're just, we're just laughing all the time, and I, yeah, he, he, Jonathan's hilarious. So <laughs> 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 haven't laughed that much in ages and it felt, I felt like we both regressed to being little 10 year olds who were running around having a great time whilst you know all the adults as you say did all the work but 
but I did notice in between, like in between, even in between running your lines and doing takes, there was this, you were kind of mucking about with each other in a very kind of sibling way. You were kind of teasing each other, mucking about, doing silly voices, having a go at each other. So you kind of kept, again, that kind of ball in the air. You kind of kept that feeling live between you of this yeah. feeling that you're brothers, that you are, you know. I, I, thought, I thought it was brilliant. I thought, I, I, I love the kind of the atmosphere between the two of you. I made the fatal mistake of, being, when asked the question, are you going to be okay to drive the car whilst we're filming? <laughs> to, to sort of blurting out to try and ensure the process, I went, well, yeah, I've done actually, I've actually done some advanced driving uh, at Brands Hatch, which of course was to Rich was like just the best thing ever because then whatever, whatever happened after that, it was like he would tell people, do you know he's done some training? Like it, it became more and more embarrassing. It's all right, he's trained. He's, he's trained. Okay. I'm not trained. I'm just brown sash. No, no, I was so desperate to sort of prove that it was going to be okay that I ended up, yeah, embarrassing myself. But there yes. you go. Very good fun to mock you. <laughs> Sorry. Time. I'm, I'm kind of interested from somebody who obviously I've read the script with Mark and I've, I've seen the little edit that he's done. I'm interested in kind of working in, I suppose, uh, somewhat extreme conditions as in you're out on the top of a bloody mountain, a real, well, as mountainous as a mountain can get in our country, at least. <laughs> What's the experience of like trying to hold your, um, your dramatic focus, you know, to hold your kind of um your your intention or reaction to each other when you're kind of on the top of a hill and you haven't got all of the sort of i guess the the um protections and the kind of um you know the uh the nicenesses you might have on a kind of fancy set how do you keep how do you keep that focus going when you're on the top of on top of a beast like that and you just spent the last two and a half hours climbing up it as well you know <laughs> carrying a camera and some sound kit. well that was actually almost made it even better even easier because that was such a sort of team building exercise mm. you know we it, mm. it sort of bonded everyone together we were all in it together and taking turns to carry stuff and when we all got up there we were just definitely all lads together you know we didn't take any ladies up. Um, that's the only reason. <laughs> I, would have, I, I would have taken Ariana Grande up. Or... <laughs> I'll get onto that later. Um, uh, but yeah, so actually getting to the top was really not kind of. It's just lovely because you know, it's we're talking about you know what a lovely crew, and when you feel safe like that, when you you, you don't feel sort of embarrassed, you know, because you you are stood in the middle doing the thing that, and everyone's standing around hoping that you don't fuck it up. So there's that stress, but when you when everyone's on side, that's lovely. So getting up the mountain and everyone's we're all we'd all done this mad thing, carrying the cameras. I like you know Rami and I keep oh I, I, yeah. I, I keep calling them the different vowel. Rami, Rami, <laughs> Rami, Rami. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Own challenges with vowels, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so we. One of the other things that would happen is that, as you say, like keeping concentration, we were doing the very meaningful um, scene in which we start to scatter the ashes at the top of the mountain. And of course, the general public are not precluded from being there. We're just sort of hopeful that they're going to see what's happening and keep their distance for a few minutes whilst we do it. But obviously some people they've hyped up there and, and they're also of the opinion that we have as much right to be here as anyone else, especially <laughs> you lot making a, 
thing. And so one, yeah. one guy came into the middle of shot at one point and went, can you move that bag, please? I'm taking a photo. And like, and it's, it was really, it was like, we were just, it, it, you, you kind of just have to bite your lip because you're like, yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> it's really frustrating because we've just brewers. <laughs> ash all over the place or whatever that stuff is <laughs> it could have been a good moment for the, for the, for the film if you could have somehow <coughs> caught that Those, yeah if you spread the ashes somebody literally did come and say that to you yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. do you want to be do you want to be in the film yeah. do you want to be in the film you're hilarious so, so. <laughs> yeah get him involved and there was some other guy you said i mean there was lots of people at oh yeah the guy on the way down who was like you know, on the way down, his later on, he was like, he came to Rich and I, and he was like, "What's the film about?" And Rich went, um, "Right, well, it's about um, it's about two brothers who are burying uh, that were scattering their dad's ashes, and the dad was a bit of a dick. Um, he didn't like me. He did like him." And the guy just paused for a moment, and he went, All "Right, did you know him in real life?" <laughs> at which point we neither of us knew really what to say <laughs> no didn't he say did, didn't, yeah. he, didn't he say did you know him personally did you know him personally oh god that must have been a baffling moment they thought you were making a documentary yeah they just did not get it I'm very proud of you, and from a distance. So I was probably the knob that you were missing on the <laughs> <laughs> because, because I couldn't be there as a sort of. Um, but I was morally uh, cheering you all on from a distance, and um, from your Scandinavian uh, house with your Scandinavian yeah, yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, sadly, I've, I've been very busy with a film I make, a documentary I'm making, but. I said to Mark how proud of you all I was. And when I saw the photos that were posted up and, uh, you know, I know Rami very well. Me and Mark both used to work with Rami. It did look like it was a proper little family, a proper little crew that had uh, managed to pull something amazing out of the bag. So high fives to you guys, frankly. Uh, high oh, thank you, yeah. But, uh, that did come off the back of a, an amazing script. Um, Yes, uh, but uh, and Aaron, you had a hand. You were like one of those good, honest friends, and uh, Rumi was as well. Rumi, because you know you'd written the script and um, you'd handed it, you know, bravely to people who'd given you some feedback and going, "This is good. That's not so good. This is good. That's not so good." And that you know, when I do that, I I'm injured and have to stop for ten years. Uh, but um, you had this lovely feedback clearly and really good advice and you know so when we got to see the script it was, it was brilliant yeah, well, it was well, yeah mark yeah. and i have kind of uh worked on enough of each other's projects over the years to be able to take each other's full criticism at kind of uh, i mean and this is another thing about having people that you've got no ego mm -hmm. with you know as in working with people you've got no ego with as in just give it to me straight because you know frankly i'd much prefer your honest opinion on things than someone to kind of pad around and bullshit me on a, on something yeah. so yeah we've had many conversations about um both of our projects and all of our projects and it felt invaluable as well especially i i really appreciated the kind of work we put into the script particularly when you know there's always the point where you think it's kind of i think it's maybe finished and then we think well i'm about to show it to 
rich okay so before but before we show it to rich i'm going to do another quick pass and just work work it work it work it work it mm. i really appreciated how much effort we'd stuck into the script when we had that horrible moment when all the with that bit of money fell out and we had to kind of go to rich and the guys and say look we, we've got no money to make this now and, it, and and thankfully it was almost like the, it was almost that we had this script that was kind of worked up to 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 a decent enough point that kind of sold you know it, it, that kind of got because basically if rich didn't say yes the whole thing wouldn't have happened essentially okay. i don't think so 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 the fact, the fact that your, your first step is to get an actor you really like to like this the script so the fact that rich was like yeah i was like oh right i've got it over that hurdle so then we can do the next we can do the next bit we can do the next bit so and and if i hadn't have put you know the effort into the script and given it to Aaron and got the feedback and Rami and blah 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 and then before I sent it to you worked it again and again so it's almost like a lesson for anyone doing this kind of thing low budget indie filmmaking is just work and work and work the script before you send it to your actors and for because what could have happened is we could have had all the money in the world and would have gone forward and made maybe made a script three drafts ago but the fact that we had a bit of time and then money fell out and we had to work it again it was just that idea of you know, at one point, all we had was the script. We didn't have anything else. So um, thankfully, you guys, Rich and Jonathan, liked it and found it funny. And if that hadn't happened, then we wouldn't have had any anything. Well, it was a sort of lovely alchemy, you know, the previous guy dropping out and then Jonathan turning up and then it really clicking because we had a Zoom call with the other guy. It was quite nice, but I was going to be the gruff brother. And this guy in my life was gruffer than me. I was going like, to have to this, this dude. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that worked out. And then... You very stoically, you know, you, I, I mean, bless you, it was a bit shitty to get, you know, some big, horrible, unexpected tax bill or, or whatever, uh, and just sort of, you know, fist you in the anus, I think is the phrase, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and then you were like, well, I'm, I think you had the cottages booked anyway. You were like, well, I'm yeah. going to have to go. You, you couldn't get out of that. You were like, well, I'm going to go up and... I think I answered you before you said this, but uh, or half of you were saying this, but so I am going to go up there anyway. I'm going to, I guess we're just going to try and film something. And I think I was going, yes, yes, no, yeah, you had me at cottage. Let me cottaging. Sorry, weak joke. Sorry. Essentially, that's what it was. We had the cottage. I was either going to, you know, lose the cottage and the money that I'd spent on it, and or I was going to go there and have a holiday with my family on our own uh or we were going to shoot something and and you know you know all we could offer you was that cottage and food for a week um and so thankfully you said yes by god thank you thank you thank you that you did that because now we've got we're kind of 70 percent down the road of having a feature film made yeah and so uh, for you in the process of making a feature film i can ask you <coughs> obviously get, getting this date in the calendar in these cottages and paying actual money mm. that's that's the that's starting to commit to this thing like there's no going back now and that's so that's quite serious and i i've personally never gotten to anywhere near that stage so that's really puts the wind up you you've got to get things done and when things started falling apart a bit and you're like oh god what do i do mm. it, it, that's why it feels like slightly more magical that the time we had up there was just bloody lovely and, and you know making it you know uh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, obviously, but I hope it's marvellous. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, I mean, that's the idea was that well, if, if I book this thing, then it has to happen. Mm. Uh, and then it wasn't until maybe like a week or two before 
then things happened like the money went and then we lost the other actor and I was like well maybe actually <laughs> maybe I was wrong maybe booking the thing and it still can and it still can't happen you know but um uh, it did. It did. And uh, I'm, I'm well, very what, thankful. What you guys you may, may not realise is that um, Mark and I have been kind of following uh, a sort of, how would you describe it, Mark? Kind of chaos magic kind of recipes for making films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of the ethos being, of this whole podcast is this the, kind the of. The idea being that nothing will happen unless you just, you just do it. Mm, and that. Uh, Sometimes the only way for it to happen is for you to literally make a complete leap of, of faith. Um, you may well die as a result. You may <laughs> a cliff and end up in the drink and, oh, sorry, the sharks have got you. Um, but you, you uh, in a way, know that if you don't, you kind of die a slow death anyway because you just kind of don't go anywhere. So in some senses it's the it's the, the idea of yeah give yourself something impossible to do and then just find the bloody way of making that thing happen um yeah so you know very inspired by you know the likes of um ken campbell and the klf and the, the likes of people who kind of pluck things seemingly impossible and heroic uh that you think well wow they did that and you don't I think as a result, realize the um, the immense sort of risk and challenge that goes into all of that stuff, because all you see is the result. You see, wow, yeah. Ken Campbell did this, the KLF did this, or people who do that. So, yeah, in some ways, you've been part of a strange experiment. <laughs> it's so exciting that it sounds to have been a successful one. And also, I'm so proud. That, that experiment was also placed firmly in a pandemic which yeah. i think is another aspect of this is that anyone at any point could have just gone down with covid and as it was at the end i think a couple of people did get covid yeah but i mean if any of us had gone down with covid on day one or two then we're not getting up that hill no you know no, so yeah. the, the 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 sort of fragility oh my god this risk as well is is, is very pronounced because we're all hugger mugger in that cottage aren't we we're all very we're all staying together in the cottage yeah. so yeah well it was it was the way the, the whole production was built was that there was no spare parts so if anyone mm. fell away the whole kind of thing house of cards would have come down like we, we, we couldn't spare anyone so this was my panic, but the whole way, like leading up to the shoot, anyone could have dropped out. And it's, and, and, and even before that, it's like, I could have lost, well, we did lose one actor to a big, I don't know, I think he went to a, a TV production or something that you can't compete with. When you're an indie production on No Money, you can't compete with even a small TV or film productions because you've got nothing to offer except for your for your script. And and um, and that's, that, that's the kind of anxiety you've got when you're kind of, you know, I, I got rich and, and, and involved very early on, but I was always anxious because I was like, if something comes along, Rich is going to have to say yes to. If Steven Spielberg calls up and goes, right, Hollywood, March. <laughs> Rich can't say, I'm sorry, I'm going to a cottage for no money. Uh, <laughs> but he's promised me lovely food. So sorry, Steven. Sorry, Mr. Spielberg. It's not going to happen. He's going to have to take the job. So you've kind of got no dog in the fight, really. You've got to just mm. kind of hope for the best and we i did and luckily it, it kind of came through for us so well, actually ariana grande did call me up and say will you <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can i 
come around mine and uh, just rub my massage my shoulders <laughs> and maybe a glass of wine or two. I was like, can't. I've got to go to the Lake District. So I'm very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Reds. Never wait for permission. You just have to start. Mark and I have been following, how would you describe it, Mark? Chaos magic. Chaos magic. So Rich, I want to talk to you about um people might know you from a couple of Ben Wheatley films. You've been in you've been in I know it's a favourite of mine and Aaron's, a field in England, which is a marvelous oh, movie. Love it, love it, love it. Um Sightseers obviously. Happy New Year's Happy New Colin Year, Colin Burstead. Colin Burstead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. How how did you meet Ben Wheatley and how did that whole thing start? <laughs> what was how did that start? Well uh part of this sketch you know because we were all doing sketch comedy you know as we were saying before how i previously knew jonathan and um and part of all of that steve orham and alice lowe who wrote sightseers oh, five, okay five years before they'd made um a short you know a, a 10 minute sort of early version based on this idea which um i did which was yeah uh, directed by paul king who has gone on to do paddington Five years later, this thing came up, and um, uh, I had to audition for that part. So luckily, they, they remembered me, and I auditioned for that part. And apparently, as the reels were coming in, Ben really just looked over the summer shoulder and went, "Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's good. Let's get him." But I don't know the the slim to I don't know about what the gods were thinking that day or whether. Maybe he subconsciously had seen the trailer and hadn't realised he's picking me for that reason. But for some reason, thank God, I got the part after the audition. And so that's that's how it started. And then I I was sort of part of his squad, you know, then I got a call a couple of years later going, what are you doing in September? I don't know, that's a teasing question. Like, do you want to be in a film? So that, that was um, a field in England. And then um, a couple of years after that happened, we were kind of bursted. So I, I got, yeah, absolutely lovely. And with... Uh, 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 sightseers, we've got to go to the Cannes Film Festival, so um, amazing! Yeah. That was very shy. We got to be near really big yachts and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and near, near rich people, which is uh, yeah. they smell, they did smell nice. What, what, was, what was Field in England like as an experience as a production? Because obviously, you're <laughs> as a film, it's kind of a fairly small ensemble cast, it's very contained in its kind of structure. Your inner field, but how was that? How was that an experience production-wise? Yeah, that was a sort of uh, lowish budget one as well, and uh, uh, yeah, we we're all sort of mucking in together. It was, um, it was, um, yeah, sort of fairly low budget locally. Yeah, and we were very much became a, a tight little family. And um, um, although P- Peter Ferdinando, he's, he's lovely, but he's quite a method actor, and um, at okay. times that well, w- was one. Remember we we spoke about him. I've worked with him on a project before, and he stayed in character for the entire six <laughs> weeks. <of the> project. <laughs> I know he is extra, but one day we <clears throat> we had to have a fight in the afternoon in the thing, and I I had to do some sort of slightly tender nice scene. But he was such a character actor; he was getting ready, he kept actually trying to push me around and fight me and push me over because he was in character, and it became a little bit annoying. Um, I love him dearly; we're really good friends. But you know, at, at stage, people come up to me and go, "You know, do you, do you want us to have a 
a word with him. It's like, no, it's okay, but it's a little bit methody, you know. <laughs> uh, um, that was interesting, you know. But um, he, he was lovely, you know, there were all these different types. And then Michael Smiley, you know, plays a sort of, you know, spoiler alert, sort of devilish type character. And he didn't arrive, we felt it chronologically. So in the film, he doesn't arrive till later. And then I'd never heard of him because I'm a bit ignorant. And people are like, Michael Smiley's coming, Michael Smiley's coming, Michael Smiley's coming. And it was like, oh my God, this guy, who's this guy? And I was like, he's coming because of age. And I love him, he's the devil. And, uh, and then he came and he's just such a larger than life character. And then um, after a couple of days of knowing him, he was like, we're at church. I think I'm starting to fall in love with you. And I was like, God! <laughs> it was so lovely to get the thumbs up from the amazing Michael Smiley, you know. But anyway, yeah, it was a low budget thing, but mucking in together, and we were very much a, a tight family and all being it together. And, you know, uh, well, there, there had been a plan, sorry, me, me, me. Oh, bloody Jim. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have another after this. Shut up. But um, yeah, there, there was an original plan to go a bit method like the, the crew and the cast were all going to live in tents in the field. Mm. That was that was a plan for a while, but thankfully they decided to put us up in a, a hotel around the corner. And they, 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 they weren't going to force feed you magic mushrooms then for the whole thing. No, we did try and find somebody. It was the wrong season. Oh. It up in September. We had our own mm. tripping scene, didn't we, in uh, Old Man? That was quite mm. interesting to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was that, great fun. That was the Saturday. Was that the, it was quite a late night, that one. I do remember. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long day. That was the Saturday. I think that was the Saturday night. I haven't heard about this. I don't remember this in the script. There's, there's now a scene where they do, a, they, they do a tab of acid on the last night of the of their their time at the cottage, and that was that was that was quite fun. That was a lovely scene to shoot. That was great fun. <laughs> and because um, we didn't actually have any acid with us, um, we we started to get a little Bloody bit low budget films. Yeah, low budget. acid. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Twenty years ago, when I had no, nothing. <laughs> 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 I was also at that stage wasn't it of the shoot where it was like let's quick let's get as much as we can because time is against us so I think that was a night that we stayed up pretty late and I think that just added to it all really because there was a yeah. sort of like mania to the whole thing at that point it was like we're running out of time it's late it's cold we projected the water mill onto the cliff face oh my god that was, fan that was fantastic yeah, yeah over the landscape and everything just felt um pretty great to be honest i i, I really I, I mean i don't know what that's going to look like i really enjoyed that evening it's huge mm. fun yeah i haven't cut anything or looked at that much yet but aaron basically what happened we had the, the, this mill that we were in it turns out that the, the 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 copper mine that we were in has this big wheel that's a recreation of a hundred year old he's basically built it 10 20 years ago and it's a recreation of what was there a hundred years ago. And it works. It, it spins. I didn't know it, it went round, but he goes, oh yeah. The guy was like, oh yeah, I'll turn it on for you if you like. We'll come back and turn it on for you. So we we're like, brilliant. Yeah, can you turn it on Saturday night at about this time? He came back, turned it on and uh, Rami just got this big old light, this lamp and just shone through it. And it just projected onto the mountain behind <laughs> us, this big spinning wheel. I mean, we were like, oh my God, this looks fucking amazing. <laughs> and then we just shot that and we just you had you guys tripping your balls off. Obviously not really, but just maybe the <laughs> bottle of red wine. That was it. But um, your finest acting work, of course. Well, John, did you say you hadn't done acid? 
No, I never have. I'm far too mentally fragile to try anything. Like <laughs> You're terribly convincing. It's it was very good. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I have to say, um, if you, I went to the cinema. I did this. I don't know if this is allowed in this podcast to talk about. Um, you can do what you want. This is a safe space. This is a safe, safe space, man. <laughs> Thank you. I went to cinema this weekend, which is a great event because it obviously has been something that hasn't happened a lot in the last few years. And I went to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. This mm. ah yeah yeah very modern of postmodern Nick Cage yeah. Playing very the very entertaining but there's a very entertaining acid trip scene in it mm. um that's very funny and that's all i'll say because i think the film's worth watching i think oh you, i need uh, to see it it's i, I think very, you'll it's really it. done well it's really done well so i'm kind of oh, i'd love to love to see that because um i think a field in england was a great example of of that actually of like people losing it in a field and mm. um yeah, I've seen it done really badly as well. Mm. So I, I look forward to seeing that because it's um Yeah, I want to see that. An easy one to pull off. Yeah. And, um, our approach to our acid trip scene was the fact that our film is almost completely handheld. So that when the brothers do acid, this the film suddenly becomes locked off. And we're on tripod and on rails and on dollies for the first time in the whole film. So actually, rather than going that kind of like, whoa, handheld yeah, and fisheye and yeah, it actually suddenly becomes more focused in and mm. stable and in some way static. It's not static because we've got this wheel moving around, which we're told can't move, but suddenly comes alive. And we have this feeling that the whole kind of place is kind of coming alive. Like, like Jonathan, your character drew, what do you say? It's like the great wheel is kind of, it's all the base is coming back to life. Um, so we have this feeling that it's all kind of turning on again and time yeah. is kind of going backwards. Uh, Rami had these kind of fancy old kind of antique kind of lenses that had this kind of control that kind of smeared the outside a little bit. So we had a manual control on that. So I could kind oh. of twist as we were shooting you guys, I had a hand control, which could basically fog almost like I could do like a blur of the exterior of the, of the of the of the of the frame oh, so wow. we can kind of blur things there's this old lens that rami had, had, had found that he borrowed off someone which was quite nice for that it was a very late night so thank you for your hard work on that but um, it really was yeah. bloody late folks <laughs> <laughs> bloody freezing but the booze really helped it did help it was, it was, uh, we can call that professional boozing right it was professional boozing. You were method acting. You were trying to get into an intoxicated, heightened state. Mm -hmm. But I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's better than actually taking acid on set. We're making a movie. It's so beautiful. Make it together. We're making a movie, man. We're making it with love. I'm so happy. Join me, So what about stage two? What about the next series of shoots? What's the plan? What's the kind of, um, you know, where where is it going to be? What's When is it going to be? What's the kind of next phase? 
the next stage is essentially we need to raise some money to shoot our London shoots. In a way, we've done the hardest part already. We've yeah. done the, we've done the tough stuff that we've yeah. we've gone very far from our home and we've kind of managed to hold up in for a week and get a big big portion of the film done. So the next stuff is all London based. Um, so in a, it, so logistically technically should be a lot easier to do it's just raising the money to do it basically so we get the right kit we get the you know maybe rami getting we get rami some, some assistance poor rami we nearly killed him he was such a workhorse <laughs> God, yeah i mean it was i mean for a film that, that is that handheld uh and for him to have no camera assistance focus pullers or anything he, he really had to put in some serious shift so uh for the next part portion, I'd like to get Rami at least <laughs> at least somebody to help him, uh, some kind of camera team or camera assistant. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically raising the money for the final portion. You know, I'd like to definitely definitely have it in the can before the end of the year, and um, and take it from there. Yeah, none of you guys are allowed to get the Spielberg job between <laughs> then and now. So just well, I mean, if you want to get if you if you want to get uber famous between between that and now and then that would that would that would help the film but if, I get, if, I go out, if i go out with a ariana grande would that help that would help <laughs> so you'll be doing it for you'll be He's doing to, it for a good cause he just needs to tweet the kind of uh fundraisers info <laughs> yeah. out there and then uh, hashtag ariana grande you know <laughs> <laughs> on acid up the top of a mountain <laughs> up the top of an old man <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to stop pestering her now. Gonna... <laughs> you should definitely. And Rich, obviously, I haven't talked to you about this, and I've been dying to talk to you about it for ages and ages. You have been a player in the Star Wars universe, of course, haven't you? Oh yeah. Was... Can, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you about this? Because I'm yeah, very, gorgeous. I'm, I'm actually very excited to talk to you about this. Um. You, you are very sufficient at flying an X-wing. I am. I'm uh, in uh, Red Squadron, actually. Same. <laughs> same, what, same what was it like? What is it like? Sorry, I'm going to geek out on you now. What's it like to be in a Star Wars film? Uh, it's fucking really cool. And uh, an, an X-wing pilot as well in Red Squadron, which is Luke Skywalker's squadron. Uh, I was Red Twelve. I didn't quite get a name, but um, uh, but I was. I flew an X-wing I, beforehand. <laughs> you know, everyone dreams of being in um, in Star Wars, and I was like, I'd, I'd be happy to just be in an explosion, just flying past the screen, going <laughs> <laughs> as I got blown up. And then I got to be in, in fly an actual X-wing, and um, uh, gosh, it, it was gorgeous. And then you go on the set. I think it was in Pinewood, and there's the back half of an X-wing. You know, you're, you're, you're sat there, and they cut the nose off mm. so that they can have the camera at you. Um, uh, but but I you know sat in and there's a gear stick and looked around and there's an R two unit and it was like amazing <laughs> and there's buttons and like can I press and then and then uh, and then during the shoot it's like um you know just as we're flying in can I you know I'm looking around can I press a button because I played the games and you know you can you can put your shields forward or backwards higher percentage forward or backwards and I was like can I press this button and suddenly this you know, geek that works there ran around with this big fucking book and went, oh, no, you can't press that one because it's the wrong one. You have to press that one. I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's <laughs> but that they knew it they because they knew that people would be watching and they know exactly what to press. Oh, really? And then, 
and I, I was in the I was in the reshoot. They did some reshoots, so I thought the deal was done. And then I got a phone call from my agent going, "Um, uh, Richard, do you uh, do you want to be an X-wing pilot?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'll call you back." Said, what? The, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, then they came back. Yeah, you've um, been offered part of an X-wing pilot, and um, uh, apparently in the in the real in the bull shoots, they had these thick that then set up with a, a machine, a gimbal, because you know to shake all about. And uh, right. to look like you're in battle and stuff, um, but but so by the time they came to the reshoots, I think they had a little less money, so they, they set this is up quite high. And I just had just below the camera, got two burly guys like this, <laughs> by my knees, just going like that, <laughs> shaking it, you know. So it really is smoke and mirrors. Um, but that's not what I tell kids, you know. When if kids ask me, I go, oh. It's a great spaceship. It's, it's got such a lovely turning call. I love the ladies. <laughs> um, we we only had only had four hours of sub orbit flight training um, before we actually had to go and film. But you know it was enough. You know it was. A, I can't <laughs> tell you how nice a spaceship is. Yeah, and um, they're like, oh, it's, it's really nice. You know, um, yeah. Anyway, were, were you are you a Star Wars baby when you as when you're a kid when you were a kid were you into Star Wars and all? Oh that gosh, thing? absolutely yes. It's just you know it's amazing, amazing. Yeah, to be in a but um, I want more, you know, because yeah. I was in Rogue One and then I heard there's going to be Rogue Squadron. And I was like, ah, oh, they're cool. They didn't. Oh, they didn't. oh man. Well, we weirdly know the director of Rogue One, don't we, Mark? The we original. do, yeah, yeah. We work, used to work with Gareth. Gareth Edwards, yeah. Who was, in a way, one of the original DIY filmmakers because he managed to make quite complex uh, movies, pretty much him in his bedroom and mm. his computer um, before anybody was doing that kind of thing. Um, both me and Mark come from a kind of a, I suppose, sort of design animation kind of promo kind of world. Mm. Um, and Gareth was one of those guys that turned up. He was the first person we knew who could turn up and he had a laptop that he would do all of his work on. And we were like, man, he's like knocking out this stuff. And he did it all on his, on his laptop. Uh, and then, um, Obviously, our careers went zooming off into space and Gareth kind of had a fair <laughs> to middling kind of upgrade by becoming, you know, he did monsters, then he did kind of Star Wars. But in loads of ways, he's one of those original kind of DIY filmmakers because Monsters was very much a DIY filmmaking. Wow. And mm. uh, he took a couple of actors out to uh, a kind of a, a, a place post hurricane and and did the did monsters, which and he did all the effects for it, and he you know he he has certainly got those um, DIY chops. But um, so there we go, yeah. That, yeah, he he, he was. I always remember him like when we were still in contact. He was saying things like um, uh, he somehow got on the pitch list in Soho. There was a Horizon documentary series all about the universe, and what they wanted was like a hundred effect shots. It was, like, it was like a couple of episodes about all about the universe and stars and black holes and stuff. But he was basically doing it all in his own, but he was pitching against the big post houses like Red. Oh. and But he was undercutting them by tens of thousands of pounds because it was just him doing it on his own. But for some reason, he pitched to Horizon and he said, Look, I could do this. I could do the whole series for 25 grand. And he was pitching against like, say, Red Post, who were doing it for like... Um, 10 times the amount like 80 grand or something yeah or like or like you know yeah yeah 10 times the amount yeah wow and he got the job 
but he had to do it in a month. He had to do like a hundred effect shots in a month. And he said he just slept in a sleeping bag under his desk and just, but he knew at the end of the month, he was going to get paid 25 grand, but he just didn't sleep. He just was just there just doing it all for a month. And then he did that so well, they went, right. He got another job doing another big kind of uh it was the Aztecs, the thing about the Aztecs for the History Channel. And it was all kind of Lord of the Rings, like hundreds of people running over the mountains. Some He just figured out how to do it and did it all wasn't himself. He, on his... Wasn't it? It was him on a green screen with different hats. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. What it was, it was it was the last time the last time I hung, hung out with him. He had this kind of office somewhere in East London and it was him and a bunch of lads in this little studio. And in the corner, they just had a bit of green screen and he was doing a documentary series about the seven industrial wonders of the world. So the one that I went in and saw them doing was Brunel's great ship. And there's a shot of Brunel's great ship pulling away out of the harbor. And there's just hundreds of people in kind of old Victorian clothing, just waving off the, and it's an amazing shot, but it's only done from, there's only, there's, I think there's about one photograph of that ship and he used that photograph and it's cut out. And then the rest of it is just, him and the two other guys in his studio dressed in different dresses or top hats <laughs> waving for, or dressed or dressed as schoolboys, and they're just had a big dressing wow. up and just filmed themselves waving flags and it's just they comped themselves in hundreds and hundreds of times and he just did it in a completely diy fashion low budget uh but just cobbled it together and it, his thing was always look big companies throw millions at this kind of stuff but if you just think about it and if you just think about what you need to make it work, it's actually not that complicated and you can do it for cheap and you can do it simply. And it was quite an, quite an inspiration really to see him do stuff like that. Uh, that's um, amazing. It's quite heartening to know that it's not inaccessible. If you think about it cleverly, you can do it. Mm. Um, I, I've become very good friends with a guy called Gavin Rothery over the years who was one of the four guys that made the film Moon. And oh, the, yeah. they, they all wrote it together. Um, but Gavin was... Uh, then primarily responsible for the visual effects and um, they'd sent off to, they'd asked for loads of, you know, digital effects companies how much they were charging, which is way beyond their budget. So due to that limitation, he decided, I think that helped them to decide to make real models yeah. and, um, and, you know, just slow motion. And that was amazing. People loved that, you know, when they, when they watched the film, it was like really refreshing to see these really amazing models. And, so he subsequently, I did a short film with him um, a few years after that, where he he's just so industrious and we've got this derelicts and buildings and he got green screens and he got loads of cars from a tip and loads of students to muck them up and then he would have this green screen. And then when you see the film, it's just astonishing that he added this, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic, you know, post-apocalyptic thing. And it just gobsmacked at the things that he's done sort of in his bedroom kind of thing mm. but uh, with the mouse and just getting things together I'm you know it's why I call you guys the grown-ups because you just don't know how you pull these things together and have the wherewithal <laughs> to just keep pushing you know it's, it's phenomenal Well, I can't wait to shoot with you guys again, and I hope it's going to be very soon. And I can't wait to show you guys some bits as well. So, yeah, I mean, 
<clears throat> part of drumming up money for the next part of the film will, will mean that I, I need to cut some test scenes together and have some things to kind of entice people into maybe helping us with some funding. So you'll be seeing some bits very soon, I'm sure. Of, uh, great, that'd be exciting. Yeah, great. And how many days do you think we've got left to shoot? I reckon we I reckon we could probably get it done in almost the same amount we've done. So another six, seven days, maybe less, five or six days, we could probably have the film done. And further in England was, uh, and that was just one location, as it were. It was uh, yeah. I think twelve, thirteen days. So oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In yeah. good company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, thank you guys for coming on DIY Cinema Cult. It's been lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for having me. And hopefully we can hopefully we can have you back on when the film is a real thing in the real world and exists for people to see. Well, it's a, it is a real thing in the real world, but yeah, people can't see it yet. But it's a real thing in the. It's real a real world. thing in our world. I mean, it's a real thing in our. Not world, so yeah. long ago, it wasn't a real thing. This is what it's all about, isn't it? From your imagination, Mark's imagination, and you guys' hard work and graft, camaraderie and can-do attitude a thing has been made in the world and it's going to delight people. And uh, we're kind of so excited to see how the rest of it all develops. So can't wait. I might even turn up and be the hon honorary knob. <laughs> I'll just stand there at the back going, it's me, I'm the knob. <laughs> but you can get away with it. You're a black belt in Tai Chi, aren't you? You know, oh, there's no black belts in that, but uh, oh, he's so self effacing. We met in the pub, and I was like, Oh, Tai Chi, oh, it takes about six years before you can smash in on his face, isn't it? And he went, I said, like, How long have you been doing it? And they were like, Um, 13 years, like, okay, I'm not calling him a knob. <laughs> I'll just turn up with the acid that uh, Jonathan won't take, so uh, <laughs> or for everyone else, and of course, I can drive you all home. So <laughs> Because he's trained. The <laughs> up and knocked out of the park. <laughs> and then right at the end, Ariana Grande will take us up. The oh, there we go. We'll live forever. Good. Wow. Sounding, sounding very enticing. Fabulous stuff. Oh, guys, thank you so much. And yeah. um, love you all. Sweet love dreams. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Lovely to see you all again. And, uh, I'm DIY gonna, forever. A DIY forever. And I'm probably going to yeah. go and have another maybe sneaky gin for bed. Yeah. So will I. They're really good, aren't yeah. they? Very Cheers, good. everyone. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Yeah. Cheers. So there we go. Episode 27 of DIY Cinema Cult. What a lovely episode it was. With our stars, Richard Glover and Jonathan Broke, and what lovely men they are too yes indeed well our kickstarter campaign for the old man is still very very much alive and it is live until the 2nd of october so please go on to kickstarter.com search for the old man or click the direct link in the show notes of this episode and see how you can get involved with our film today you can have a direct influence and be personally responsible for bringing this feature film to life to the big screen for everyone to see and don't forget, we are still releasing an episode of DIY Cinema Cult every week of our Kickstarter campaign. So tune in next Monday for episode 28, in which we'll be talking to Rami Bataldi, our director of photography on The Old Man. 
keep dropping in on our Facebook pages too. You would have seen some of our behind the scenes films, our, our little mini docs about the making of the old man that have been popping up over the course of the last couple of weeks. I uh, we hope you've been enjoying them. They're a lot of fun to make and we have more to come. So do keep an eye out for those. Anyway, thank you so much for all your love and support so far in this campaign. We have it until the 2nd of October. Let's get this film made. You're all absolutely bloody brilliant. All right, next time. on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com